It's Wednesday, April 6th. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Another slight uptick in Maryland's COVID-19 positivity rate is the highest it's been since February. Baltimore's mayor delivered the first state-of-the-city address from City Hall in three years. The focus? Public safety. Baltimore County Council's fraught redistricting map paves the way for a new council candidate. And one council member is sounding the alarm about the health of the county's pension. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Maryland's COVID-19 positivity rate climbs again to 1.94 percent, according to the state health department. That's still low, but it's the highest positivity rate Maryland has seen since February. The rate has been climbing slowly by nearly half a percentage point over the past two weeks. 140 people are hospitalized. That's seven more patients than health officials reported yesterday. A federal judge has granted the defense's request to delay the start of the perjury trial of Marilyn Mosby. The trial is now set to begin on September 19th. Mosby, the Baltimore City State's attorney, is charged with perjury and lying on a loan application in connection with purchasing properties in Florida. A hearing on pretrial motions and a first pretrial status conference is still scheduled for April 14th. A former Baltimore police officer is on trial in federal court on charges of planning evidence and conducting illegal searches. Former Detective Robert Hankard was a member of the now defunct Gun Trace Task Force and is facing charges of planting a weapon on a suspect and conducting illegal searches while a member of the task force. Applications for Baltimore's Guaranteed Income Pilot Program go live May 2nd. Mayor Scott made the announcement during his State of the City address yesterday. Guaranteed income programs traditionally provide regular cash payments to qualified residents. However, the details for Baltimore's pilot program have not yet been disclosed. I'll have more on the mayor's address in a moment. One of the plaintiffs has sued Baltimore County over its proposed council district map, now plans to run for county council. WYPR's John Lee reports Tony Fugit, the former head of Baltimore County's NAACP, says he will challenge incumbent Izzy Patoka in the Democratic primary for the second council district seat. Fugit and others sued the county over the map, arguing it did not give blacks a fair shot at winning more than one of seven council seats. I was disappointed with the leadership uh, that I was seeing from the council in the county. And, and I said that, that there's got to be a better way or a better person that could kind of lead the county. The redistricting suit forced the county council to make the second district minority majority, meaning all minorities added up or more than 50 percent of the voters. Fugit will be running against a well-financed incumbent. Potoka has more than $625,000 in his campaign coffers, more than any other council member. And continuing with Baltimore County news, a Baltimore County councilman is sounding the alarm about the health of the county's pension plan for its retirees. John Lee reports, Councilman Tom Quirk says County Executive John Yashevsky needs to address it in his budget that he is presenting to the council next week. The council turns to Councilman Quirk for financial guidance. He's the president of a retirement and investment group in Catonsville. Quirk says for years, county executives have not put enough money in the fund for county retirees. Adding to the pension isn't isn't that jazzy. 
it's not going to get you accolades like if you do a library or you do a school or you do something that taxpayers immediately see. Quirk says he would like to see a 3% increase in pension funding. He adds the fund is not in danger of insolvency, but the current path could lead to the county's AAA credit rating being downgraded. In a statement, Oshevsky said in his budget he'll increase pension funding to ensure the preservation of that benefit, adding that county retirees deserve to know their retirement is protected. John Lee, WIPR News. A bill that would expand the state's definition of stalking to include electronic stalking and the use of electronic tracking devices is headed to Governor Larry Hogan's desk after passing both the Senate and the House of Delegates unanimously. Current state law limits what can be characterized as stalking to the physical in-person act. Under Maryland law, stalking will remain a misdemeanor punishable by up to five years in prison and or up to a $5,000 fine. If passed, the change will take effect October 1st. The annual Baltimore Flotilla returns to the Inner Harbor this year. The fifth annual event aims to raise more than $10,000 for the Health Harbor Initiative. Hundreds of kayaks, canoes and paddleboards will fill the harbor on June 4th. Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott delivered his second annual State of the City Address Tuesday. It was the first one delivered by a mayor in City Hall since former Mayor Catherine Pugh in 2019. City Hall reopened Monday after being closed for two years due to COVID-19. Last year, Scott spoke before a small audience of staffers. This time, he addressed a room full of masked council members and agency heads. Scott said the city is on the cusp of a long overdue renaissance. When I came into office, city government was broken and rotten to the core. From years of dysfunction, turmoil, and misplaced focus, we had to start from scratch and build new systems from the foundation up. Scott spoke for nearly an hour with a focus on public safety and addressing root causes of violence. He opened with a moment of silence for first responders and public safety workers who lost their lives in the line of duty. Scott said the city continues to be plagued by gun violence as it recovers from COVID. While thanking the Baltimore Police Department for making the city a safer place, he also called for a reimagining of city policing. If we continue with the status quo, we will continue to get status quo results. Among the new initiatives Scott announced was a smart policing program under which officers would spend less time addressing non-emergencies so they can address violence. Scott said he'd unveil more about the program in the coming weeks. The mayor has drawn criticism from progressive activists who'd hoped he'd redirect funds from the police toward resources like housing and education. District 8 Councilman Christopher Burnett who supported redirecting funds, said he thinks that critique is reasonable, but that he understands why Scott is taking a more balanced approach, so long as the mayor isn't funding the police at the expense of other programs. Because at the end of the day, one of the things I do hear from my constituents is that they want more police presence, they want more visibility, and they want them to be able to solve crimes. Our clearance rate is too low, so we aren't 
solving crimes. We aren't doing effective work. And Burnett said Scott went beyond policing in his address as a crime reduction strategy. So to hear a mayor uh, for the first time really lift up that holistic lens, that lens of equity and reinvestment in communities that have been disinvested for a very long time was encouraging uh, and exciting to hear. Part of his vision, Scott said, to truly build public safety is creating more opportunities for young people. He announced plans to invest more than $65 million in the city school system and touted a $120 million investment in Baltimore City Recreation and Parks. We will put more effort into their promise than their struggles, more in their support than their shackles, and more in their dreams than their downfalls. Scott also highlighted his efforts to tackle housing inequity including a $100 million allocation of ARPA funds and a tax sale exemption program the city launched to protect owner-occupied properties. He also announced plans to redevelop Harbor Place with private investment from West Baltimore businessman David Bramble. As he went over these initiatives, the mayor repeatedly made a call to action that a better Baltimore requires collaboration. The responsibility to prevent violence falls on all of us, not one person, not one agency. City Council Vice President Sharon Green Middleton said the mayor laid out a good beginning and agreed that everyone has a part to play. Now it's really time for all of us to roll up our sleeves and get to work. The City Council will hold its next meeting at City Hall on April 25th. We're always happy to hear from you, and we'll be here for you again on Friday. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WIPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Callan Hansel suddeth Our digital content director is Jamila Kremple, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Thanks for listening.